Al-Jazeera podcast. French President Emmanuel Macron is visiting four African nations hoping to reset relations. But he faces competition for influence from others, including China, Russia and Turkey. So what kind of welcome will he get? I'm Tom McRae and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyse and help define major global stories. Okay, let's bring in our guests in Paris, Lara Marlowe, author and journalist based in France, covering events there and a foreign correspondent for many, many years. In Yaoundé, Marie Roger Beloa, president of Africa International Media Group and an Africa affairs analyst. And in Johannesburg, Marissa Lorenzo, a political risk analyst specialising in Southern Africa. A warm welcome to you all. Thank you very much uh, for being on Inside Story today. Lara, Macron called this the start of a new balanced relationship. What, what is he ultimately trying to achieve with this tour? I, I think he wants to reverse the trend, which is France being thrown out of Mali, being thrown out of, of uh, Ouagadougou, out of uh, Burkina Faso, and the French being disliked, uh, distrusted by popular opinion uh, throughout, especially in West Africa, where they've they've been making and breaking regimes uh, since the Second World War or since independence. And uh, the the old uh, policy, which started under General de Gaulle after the war, was called France Afrique, La France Afrique, which was made one word of the names France and Africa. Uh, and when you look at the, the, the heads of state who Macron will be seeing in Gabon, uh, Ali Bongo, his father was president before him. The Bongo family has been running Gabon for 56 years. Uh, in Angola, the same party has been in power uh, since 1975, since independence. Uh, in the Republic of Congo, uh, Congo, Denis uh, Sassou Nguesso has been in power for 43 years. Uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, his last day, um, uh, Felix Tshisekedi will try to use Macron's visit, I think, for his own political uh, strength. Mm. And so Macron, on the one hand, he wants democracy. He talks a lot about the youth of the country. He he gave a very important speech in Ouagadougou five years ago to young people. Uh, and at the same time, he's perceived to be an ally of these old undemocratic regimes. So that's a difficult thing for him. Uh, but he really wants to change the relationship. He says he's going to reduce the number of French soldiers in Africa, especially in French-speaking West Africa. He will not touch the numbers in Djibouti because that's a very strategic place for obvious reasons. Um, but he's going to to reduce the number of French soldiers. And he says by the end of this year, there will be no French bases uh, per se in Africa. They're either going to turn them into milita military academies where they will educate African soldiers, or they will co-manage them uh, with the, the governments mm. of the host countries. So he's trying to get a lower profile. Uh, he also wants to sell weapons probably to Africa, but he'll have a hard time there because the Russian and Chinese and Turkish weapons are much cheaper than the French weapons. He may offer help, military help, for example, intelligence, uh, satellite images, um, and, and fire support to these African regimes. Uh, but he, he just basically, this is a goodwill mission. It's his eighth, 18th trip to Africa, it should be noted. Uh, he realizes how important Africa is 
to the future of Europe. Mm. And he also believes very strongly that if you don't solve the problems of Africa in Africa, you will have to deal with the migrants uh, coming across the Mediterranean. Marie, what sort of reception uh, is Macron likely to get uh, when he visits Africa? Well, uh, I, I would say it would be probably uh, like the, the announcement of his visit. You know, uh, prior to that, he had uh, an, a very much announced and uh, anticipated uh, speech, which were supposed to uh, tell us about the new thinking, the new policy, his new African policy. I must say I'm here in Yaoundé and I see that was no news. Um, nobody really was interested in listening and uh, that, that was a very big contrast between uh, uh, the, the, the way people were not interested here and the way uh, the much, a lot of hype uh, which was in Paris prior to this mm. speech that... Did we, that come we as a surprise to you that there, was, that there was no hype? around his visit? Uh, well, you know, when a French president comes to an African country, well, it's always something special. But um, I don't think people are expecting much from it. So, uh, you know, it, the, the official topic is environment. It is about protecting the forest and, and so on. But uh, to most observers to most Africans who, who follow this, uh, they see that Macron is going to Central Africa, where uh, the France CFA is still strong and alive, uh, where uh, there's little more, little protest, uh, uh, well, against France, even though the French, uh, the anti-French sentiment still is there. So it's like, they're coming to oil-rich countries and uh, trying to rescue the influence of uh, France in an area where you, you don't have a very strong conflict about that, mm. except, of course, uh, Central African Republic, where uh, uh, the uh, paramilitary group Wagner is well installed now. Marissa, um, we also heard Lara talk there a little bit about um, Macron needing to change uh, the thread. What do you think he needs to do to, to make this a successful trip? So I don't think that this trip is going to be as difficult as what Macron has faced in other West African countries where France has effectively been kicked out. France has a relatively good relationship with Gabon. He's going to the environmental summit there. It's not a very politically charged event. When he comes down to Angola, I also think that this will be a lot easier for him. And then when it comes to the two Congos, I also don't think that he's going to run into too much trouble there. But I think that we need to look at what is his political aim here. And the first very obvious one is, like Laura mentioned, to reverse this trend of this backlash against France. But I think, you know, that is one very important political aim. But I think the other one is that, you know, France needs to keep a kind of base of support in Africa. And what he's realized is that Gabon is the one country in West Africa that is not pushed back against France. He realizes that the DRC is also very important to the West's future because of all the minerals that it holds. Um, and then he needs Angola because Angolan president, João Lorenzo, is actually a very important mediator between the DRC and Rwandan conflict. So there's actually quite a lot on his, quite a lot on his plate. 
And of course, yes, the focus is to reverse this trend. It is to stop this backlash against France. But there's a lot of political agendas going mm. on at the same time. Lara, you touched on this uh, a little bit before. Um, you know, there's obviously a, a, a large African population within France. What's the perception there um, about this trip? And, and do they think that, you know, um, that, that is, is something that he actually needs to do at this point in time? Or does he need to deal with uh, some of the issues back home? Uh, Macron has actually cited the large African population in France uh, as an advantage that he has in improving relations with, with African countries. He says he wants to use them, exploit them in a positive way. He, he talked about, he said, we must recognize the African part of France. Now, that, that's going to upset people on the far right, for example. Um, but I think that to, to young Africans in France, that's probably music to their ears. Uh, he also wants to encourage entrepreneurship and, and, and loans for um, investment in, in Africa and this sort of thing. So I, I think that, that dynamic young Africans in France will see this as an opportunity. Uh, he also, it, it should be said, uh, wants to European, Europeanize this relationship uh, because for one thing, if, if he does so, it will ease that sort of that anti-French tension uh, because it, it becomes somehow diffuse uh, within if it's Europe that is engaging with Africa rather than the old colonial power of France. Uh, and it also gives, gives a sort of uh, critical mass uh, for big investment um, structural infrastructure projects and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Marissa, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the military influence that, that France has got and the, the scaling back of, of troops and the, the six military bases that will, be, that will stay open, but they're going to be transformed into training academies. Um, I mean, what does France lose by scaling back in that way? And why do you think they're doing it now? So I think what France loses is, of course, some of the power and the influence that it does exert over certain African countries. But of course, France doesn't have a choice at the moment because it's seen with what's happened in Mali and with what's happened in Burkina Faso that it really has to take charge and it has to do something else. It might face further backlash. The other thing is that Macron is not going to apologize for colonialism. He's not going to start to issue reparations. If we look at how he's responded to Algeria's call over the years for an apology, we've always seen that Macron and even other French presidents have always fallen just short of that. They've experienced shame. I mean, sorry, they've expressed shame. They've said it was a brutal period, you know, in the history, but they've never really um, gone out and made a full-on apology. Um, mm. And I think that that in itself could also be a dangerous thing to do because France's presence across colonial Africa was so massive. And of course, once you start apologizing, then you need to start thinking about reparations. And European countries are only going to give reparations to their former colonies if then they can ensure that that money is used in some way that will benefit them. For example, when Germany gave Namibia uh, reparations for the 1904 Herrera genocide, that money is actually going to be directed to infrastructure that Germany will eventually benefit from. So France has quite a big issue with that. And I think scaling back military bases is, is kind of the best solution that he could come to out of what is quite a difficult situation. We, we spoke a little bit about it before, the, the growing Russian, Chinese and Turkey uh, influence uh, in Africa. Um, Lara, 
you know, we've seen the foreign minister um, from Russia, Sergei Lavrov, you know, go on a charm offensive on his own tour of Africa just last month. That, that, that last month, that's obviously a huge concern to the French. Can you explain this, the scale of uh, the Russian influence in Africa now and, and uh, how concerning that is to Macron and the rest it, of Europe? It's- it's it's enormous. I mean, the uh, the Wagner group, the um, Pogorzin's uh, militiamen or mercenaries, are very deeply implanted in Sudan and in Mali. Uh, in fact, it's probably thanks to Wagner that the French were expelled from Mali. Uh, and they're also very engaged in propaganda against the French. I mean, really mendacious um, propaganda against the French. I think that the war in Ukraine has diminished that a bit because, as you know, Wagner is is very deeply involved in, in the Donbass and in the whole war in Ukraine and they're, where they're responsible for, for some uh, horrendous war crimes, as they have been in Africa. Uh, the line that one gets from the Elysee is that the inhabitants of Africa will learn very quickly at their cost uh, that they're much better off the French, with the French than they are with the Russians, with Wagner. I wondered if I could, I'd like to come back to something Clarissa said about Macron is not going to apologize. Um, in Algeria, he actually said France committed crimes against humanity in Algeria. And there was a huge uproar in France uh, this was went down very, very badly, especially on the right. Um, I don't I think he'll be very careful what he says um, mm. in, in particular, just to avoid an outcry like that. But he has made some serious gestures. He gave back works of art to Benin. Uh, and he's also opened up the archives uh, concerning Rwanda, uh, where the French were accused of complicity in the genocide uh, against the Hutus. Uh, uh, sorry, against the Tutsis, not the Hutus. Um, so he he will make, uh, I mean, I don't know if he will on this specific trip, but he has and will continue to make uh, important gestures. Okay, well, we'll see uh, what comes out of that. Um, Marie Roger, can you just tell us about the Russian disinformation campaigns that they have been unleashing through Africa and just how effective they have been? Okay, you know, the, the thing is that France wants to focus everything uh, on Russia and the propaganda of Russia. But uh, what I want to say that, and I will just repeat it, is that Russia and the presence or the, the increasing presence of Russia is due to uh, grievances and dissatisfaction with France and not the contrary. Uh, Russia has been a long-standing partner in Africa, you know, Mm-hmm. Many countries have had relationship with Russia since before independence, and uh, during the uh, where where Russia, the Soviet Union, uh, used to help um, independence movement or, or freedom fighters. So, and then they faded away during uh, the Cold War. In a way, they were supporting part of the countries. Okay, the Cold War, but now. Uh, during, for a long, long time, many other countries, European countries, Germany, Russia, and uh, others, did not dare to come to African countries, to uh, former Francophone countries. They were like, if they want to uh, start some important operations, even business, and so they, they want to make sure France is not against that. So it was really 
the king is France, and we have to uh, make a low profile and, and, and make sure we, we don't uh, disturb or bother France too much because they also have other relationships with France, Russia, France, or, or Germany mm. with France. What, what are the so concerns, though, going forward about Russia's growing influence? Okay, what went forward, the first big example in, 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 in sub-Saharan Africa is the Central African Republic. You know, they were, the new regime came after election with Faustin Touadira, and the country uh, was under embargo, uh, weapon embargo, because they had so many conflicts, so the UN, the United Nations uh, decided no weapons going there. But what happens was that the rebels were getting weapons on illegal ways. Mm. And uh, the official government wanted this embargo to be lifted. And they asked French to help them lift that embargo. And France was not really interested. And they said, and they said well, they, they said, why don't you ask Russia? They can give you some little arms on that. And that's what they did. I'm, I'm, I'm making a long story short. So that's why they turned to Russia. Russia were sort okay. of, oh, they didn't really believe. France said, told you to come to us? Yes. And that's the way they came into I just want to bring so in... So now... Uh, I just want to bring they, in Marissa here, if, if I may, just, just on this point. I mean, what are the risks for, for some of these African countries in, in siding with Russia? You know, we know all about the Wagner Group and, and what they're capable of. What, what, what risks are there here? Um, for some of these countries and these governments that, that uh, I guess, get into bed with, with Russia? So I think the first important thing to note is that we have to be very careful of blaming Russia as being the destabilizing force in Africa. What Russia has done and what the Wagner Group is still doing is that they are taking advantage of failed states. So essentially, there has been a power vacuum. And, I mean, we could look at why this has been colonialism left these states in complete disarray. It made it very, very easy for new governments to come in and be corrupt. There was not political will to actually govern properly. Then, especially in West Africa, we've had the rise of extremist groups for over a decade now. We first mm. saw Al-Qaeda, we've got ISIS, sometimes in countries you've got both of them. And what Russia's come in and done, or the Wagner Group has done, and obviously these are two separate things, even though sometimes they can overlap, is that they've come in and they've taken advantage of that. But they've only been able to take advantage of that because there is essentially state failure. You can't come and take control of a strong state. The other thing that I want to point out that I think we have to add to this debate so that we don't become too one-sided is that African countries have also changed the way they approach their relationship with foreign powers. It's not the Cold War anymore where you have to side with the US or you have to side with the Soviet Union. You don't have to be loyal to a former colonial power because that's the only way you're going to get trade and arms. You can actually pick and choose. Now, yes, we've got some countries like Burkina Faso and Mali that will be very outright in their support of Russia. But you have other countries that are saying, let's just hear what Russia has to say. We don't necessarily have to accept them wholeheartedly, but we can hear what mm. they have to say because we can also hear what France has to say. And I think what we're seeing is, yes, it's going to be very difficult for African countries going forward, but I don't think we should be saying things like, if they thought things were bad under France, wait till it's under Russia. The point is that African governments, whether they're making a mistake or not, you know, 
I don't think that's necessarily our place to say it. But I think what we have to say is that we're dictating our future in a very, very different way. Yeah. And that essentially France is not going to be a dominant player. It's going to be one of many players going yeah. forward. And, and just uh, on one of those other players that's also heavily involved in Africa, Lara, can you just tell us a little bit about China's influence uh, on the continent? Uh, it's mainly economic. I mean, for example, China is now a bigger trading partner with Algeria than France is, which is, is quite mind-boggling when you think that Algeria was was an integral part of France until independence in 1962. Um, China is, in exchange for the natural resources of the mineral resources, in particular of these African countries, uh, is building factories, industry, uh, sending large numbers of Chinese immigrants, you know, to run them. So whereas the, the Russian influence is mainly military, uh, the Chinese influence is economic, industrial, financial. Yeah. Marissa, just before we finish, um, I, I want to get uh, an idea of what you think a successful trip uh, will look like for Macron. I think if France can keep in place, uh, for example, some of the trade agreements that it has with the DRC, that would be very good for it. Um, France is also a very old trading partner with Angola. I think that relationship is relatively secure. Um, it's important that he keeps it that way um, because of the amount of French, uh, French oil and gas majors that operate in the country. So I think if there's cordial trips, if he keeps those trade agreements in, intact, if maybe he commits um, money to, um, towards Gabon's carbon credit program, I think small gestures like that would um, be a sign of success. I don't think we're going to see anything major coming out of these. Um, he has kind of chosen what you could call, I suppose, quiet, reasonable governments to engage with compared to what France has faced in West Africa. And I think this trip is just to entrench those relations, get some small agreements out. Um, and I think he would be he would be happy with that. Marie Roger, if you could just outline how you think this trip will be seen as a success from within Africa. I don't think it would change anything. Um, you know, the, the countries which are visited, uh, the head of state of that will have some of diplomatic success that we had, the French president here. Gabon is having an election this year, and the opposition was afraid that this visit might look as an endorsement of the outgoing president. So he will be happy about that. But the main issue about the anti-French sentiment, uh, how can uh, France can... Uh, enhance its position in Africa. I don't think it would change very much uh, in uh, in the areas anyway where uh, the, uh, France is being rejected. There are the areas like the uh, uh, DRC where the, the sentiment is not the same. It's not a former colonial master. Uh, maybe you know they are not very happy because France is not uh, criticizing and condemning outright. The, in, the invasion of the uh, eastern part of Congo by the M23, the, the Rwanda-backed uh, 23 rebels. And uh, so if they stay in that position that they don't want to uh, uh, be unpleasant to Rwanda, and, uh, well, nobody will be okay. really satisfied. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, we will have to leave it there, unfortunately, but it'll be fascinating to see how uh, his tour plays out. Thanks to uh, all of our guests, Lara Marlowe, Marie-Roger Beloa and Marissa Lorenzo. Thank you.
This episode was produced by Dharmit Fleming, Laura Khan, Mohammed Salman, Fongi Nguyen and Jimmy Gitahoon. Studio sound was by Deepak Pushkaran. The programme was edited by Mohammed Sobi, Lynn Nguyen and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Thursday for our next edition of Inside Story. Thank you.